Three, two, one, go. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Two. Two. <laughs> this is bad. The lag does not make this easy. <laughs> this was a terrible um, idea. It's a terrible idea. But welcome to Leave Rugby Banter. Um, we're overdue to do an episode. And Leave Andrew wanted to say something. Sorry, Ant, about us being overdue. Oh, I wanted to say it's, it's taken us longer than Faf to Clerk takes to set up a box kick. Yes! <laughs> Does he box kick in Japan? Is that allowed? <laughs> Also, we don't use the caterpillar as much. I feel like one of the teams who like goes with those crazy tin man caterpillars are the ones who take the longest. That's a hundred percent the thing that needs to be outfitted next in rugby. <laughs> okay, so it took so it took about twelve seconds, and I've already been roasted on my rugby knowledge by full. Thank you. <laughs> Apologies, <laughs> I could have even said something before when you told me that you gave me the heads up about that. No, you, you've, been, you've been holding <laughs> At on. At least you know that Brett Cameron. At least you know Brett Cameron doesn't still play for the Crusaders, so you're doing better than me on some things. Or Black Legend, Brett Cameron. <laughs> did he get a cap in the end? I think he got one against Japan, just, yeah, like when they were playing their reserves. Yeah, but as I'm saying, was it like for the All Blacks 15 or was it for the All Blacks? It was definitely for the All Blacks, yeah. Yeah, I think he got a cap. And, and, and Fergus Berg? Oh, no, it was Dallas McLeod that got a cap last year. Yeah, yeah. He's not bad. I mean, McLeod is. He's not a bad prospect. Like why are there all these Scottish sounding backline players going to the Crusaders? Fergus well, Burke and well, that's, Dallas McLeod. Like, isn't, isn't Fergus Burke in line for a Scotland cap actually? Weren't they talking about recruiting him? Were they genuinely? I think so. I mean, I'm sure they would have taken Finley Christie if he didn't already commit, right? Yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't. He that's not really surprised. Why? He was starting for the Lions and I was like, got him on the bench. What's going on there? Well, they had to move him from one Scottish team to another, right? That was one of our... Yeah, this player, has he just, like, suddenly got shit? Or, like, what's the story? Now they're just playing Ben White, who plays in England. So he may as well not have moved. Should we try and introduce a little bit of structure? Should we start with Scotland? Saying we're talking about Scotland and their sort of sadness from... Andrew, were they robbed? <laughs> of course, I'm I'm drinking a whiskey in, in sympathy, about a quadruple, because um, it is a very very sad day to be a Scottish rugby fan. Um, I don't. Did you, I think you guys watched the game? Did you see this in? I did. I actually watched some rugby this weekend. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, so that's enthusiastic talk for a change. That makes that makes a change, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I I, I finally over the World Cup hangover. <laughs> I can't quite see how. The ball was clearly over the line. Obviously, we're talking about this last try. Which allow that. Clearly over yes, the line. Was. And it touched the grass. But you couldn't see the line at the same time it touched the grass. Well, exactly. But, like, do, should refs take a physics course? I mean, you can't just, like, have a rift in reality and it shifts two feet backwards. It's just... I can't see how that wasn't awarded. I guess, like... With the wording of the law, you can see because it's you know the rules are if the on-field decision is no try, then it has to be clear and obvious. And it wasn't clear, and even obvious is debatable. Which means that you know, kind of the refs. The, if you, although we all pretty sure probably it most likely is a try, you know, but none of us you couldn't see the ball touching the grass, which is what you needed to do. 
Yes, you could call it. So I completely agree. It's it, you know it's very harsh, but at the same time, it's it's I don't think it's wrong. Give them Sorry? the laws that they are. Yeah, because it, it would definitely have been given if the question was asked the other way, right? If, um, or if it was just try or no try. I think like benefits of the like you know benefit yeah. of the doubt or whatever. If you just said try or no try, if you had no like view. And he was about as close as you can possibly get, so it's not like he was in the wrong position or anything like that. But and the ball was very clearly on a foot initially, you know. Yeah, but so then it's not even like he wasn't sure. Like you saw it, you could quite clearly see it held up from one angle. But I, I, I don't, I don't hate the decision. But like what Andrew is saying is like physically, it's not possible that the ball wasn't being, touching the line at some point. You know, someone said that meme about there being like a hole in the grass. <laughs> at that point, because there's no other way well, the ball's not touching the line. It's not, something like that could have happened for sure. But um, look, according if you're going strictly by the rules, like Anne says, you could uh, see how they came to that conclusion, and uh, it's a tough one. It, you know, whichever way but that like, went. You, the thing team. is, the, the, the new protocols done there so that there is a decision made. You know, so like a. I think we all in general kind of agree that this whole try no try, sorry, on field try or off field try, like if the ref has to, is being forced to make a decision, I think we all agree that's a good thing. Um, but then it does kind of introduce these situations where, like, in totality, you're not like, well, like, as a result, you're not quite sure sometimes that, like, maybe um, the benefit actually goes the other way. I don't know. Like, I, I agree that the refs having an on-field call is a good thing like in in cricket for example when there's doubt around the accuracy of the technology being used the umpire's call is favored which makes sense yeah. to me but in this case you're not using technology to measure whether the ball is over the line or not i mean maybe we should maybe if there was smart ball technology you could say well i see it touching the ground and the smart ball technology tells me it's it's over the the try line and then the try would be awarded but i think the team i mean in my in my very biased opinion, the TMO had evidence to overturn, but but didn't. But I, yeah, look, I can on an objective level, I can see where you guys are coming from. It was a close call, and and also it it must it must be said that Scotland they they, they, they bossed that game for large portions, and and when they were under pressure, suddenly they overthrew a lineout. There was a, a knock on. Like unforced errors, just going back to like, you know, the way that the way that Italy revert to to type. You know, they they play good rugby and then they lose thirty six nil. Like Scotland sort of reverted to type there. They've got a classy side, but when the pressure was really on, they crumbled. And yes, they lost the game, and maybe there's an argument, but they also there's there's a, a lack of a winning mentality or culture or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one because if you look at their current starting lineup in the first two rounds, like it's about as strong as you're going to get. They're not missing many players. They're not missing as some as as much as some of, some of the other countries. But there's just something that they are lacking, and I don't. I, I think I agree with you. It's probably not the personnel. It's more of the winning culture, perhaps, and just being able to convert that dominance, being able to grind out the win when you're at a certain point in the match, which they don't seem to be able to do. Although they won just about in the first match against Wales. <laughs> just. Yeah, I mean, even that, you know, I and mean, they tried their hardest to reason the second half. Do you think that that's like a Finn Russell captaincy thing that they're still trying to figure out? Or? 
I mean, he said after the match that like players were responding to his messaging, and I think it's probably quite an interesting thing to go from being a more kind of bad boy, well, maybe not bad boy, but like the dissenting voice, like I don't like to trade, I want to be flary and not quite respect my coaching noise, to suddenly being like, oh no, I'm now the the voice that the team has to listen to on the field. Yeah. You know, I can imagine that the team kind of struggles to adapt to that change of persona. Yeah, 100%. Um, have you guys watched uh, Full Contact yet on Netflix? No. Watched one episode so far. Okay. Is, is that, that is the Finn Russell episode, the first one, eh? Yeah, I think. Yeah. The one where he yes. says he wants to be messy or whatever. Yeah, people think of me like <laughs> messy. Like... <laughs> He, he is a joker, he's a prankster, he's like the bad boy, as Anne said, he has clashes with the coach. Like the fact that he's captain now, just the fact that he's one of the better individual players doesn't make him a great captain. Like someone with, with graft and persona and aura and control and level-headedness might make a better captain. So is, is, is there anyone in the team with that, though? You know what I mean? Well... Like you've got the guys like Dodge. I mean, Jimmy Ritchie was the previous captain, and I, I never saw anything particularly amazing things um, no, no, I don't know if any of the players have got particular kind of, you know, Hedish Watts is maybe the only one that's got that kind of strongish personality. So, everyone else just, it's just a bear. So, I mean, your so, captain, um, captain should be an automatic selection, right? Which Jamie Ritchie, I don't know if he is, even Hamish Watson these days is not starting every game. Um, if if anyone, I would say uh, Grant Gilchrist at this point is pretty much selecting himself. Uh, he's he's also older. He's like 33, 34, got a lot of experience. He would be like a good interim captain until they find someone who's, you know, more more settled. Um, you know, Hogg used to have that position, but yeah, I, mean, I feel back they they missed um, Blair Kinghorn this time around. Who would be a a leader in the team as well. Harry Patterson was. You say Patterson played flipping well. Yeah, no, he played about that's... twelve, but my word, he played, played very well. He was rubbish. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought for a debut he was pretty solid. Um, no. He played played pretty well. <laughs> he <laughs> was. Scott's not happy. He was he was at fault in like at least three or four instances where where um, France scored points defensively on the BLBRE. Scored no, he scored four points four times, so every time. Every time. <laughs> it was always that. The LBR, yeah. when, he, when he chipped that in behind, there was absolutely no reason for Patterson to be up in the line. They had it covered at the back line, and he, he rushed in, and then chip over, score, and that was the game. Um, he, yeah. he knocked it on, he was out of position. I, I didn't rate him at all. <laughs> we also, I mean, like, set up, created that one Ben White try. Yeah. And it must have been tough because uh, I think it was Carl Stade withdrew like in the pre training, like the pre match training. So, like being called in on debut late, not going through the proper warm ups and stuff. Yeah, must be a tough, tough one. But in in terms of the captaincy, I think uh, Rory Dodge is the sort of long term option because he's still young, he's like twenty two yeah. or something, I think. And I think he's. And he's he like played well. I was. Yeah. I think he always does whenever I see him, and I think he's the reason why Hamish Watson is no longer first choice. So. I think Dodge also looks like potentially he can grow into that sort of captaincy material. Maybe it's too early to say, but I think, I don't know if he's the captain of the age group level, but potentially uh, prospects there. Okay, well, at least it sounds like they do some options. But yeah, I mean, I think it's probably just the, the age old Scottish problem that they've got talent, but not ex like superstars. And they have, you know, just lots of kind of journey ish men type players. Lots of guys that you'd say, oh, you're a super rugby, and I'm not. 
quite international level. Yeah, especially and in that the kind of into That kind of filters into that like winning mindset issue. They always, you know, they're going to be there. They're going to be competitive, but they're always kind of punching. They never like actually probably deserve to get success just given their stock. Uh, you know, turning off the players on the work like that. that um, but then, you know, part of that, if half your team's foreign, like, you're not going to pick a foreigner as your captain, then it also just means you've got fewer players to pick from. Yeah. From that perspective. That all being said, I think they are quite comfortably the, you know, probably tied second strongest team in the <laughs> Like, it was them, them and France was really, I mean, it would have been quite a nice narrative if Scotland had got the win. Because then, you know, I, mean, they, I think, you know, they definitely would be in Italy and they would continue their long winning streak against England. Um, and then it would have set up quite nicely for kind of two teams, four out of four, playing in the final round against Ireland for the win. Um, so unfortunately, we robbed of that. And now it's just kind of, okay, well, now it's just... England and Ireland. And Scotland will come in third. It's like kind of pretty much everything's sewn up already. Well, I mean, uh, uh, England haven't lost a match yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, but they, they will lose to Scotland and they will lose to France and they will lose to Ireland. You know what I mean? I mean, and Slam. And Slam. Just about, just about <laughs> sweep them. Like, well done. Yeah. You beat Italy by one. <laughs> you beat Wales by, by two. two. Like, At home. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're hardly. This is a Wales team that was 27 0 down. At home. You can only beat what's in front of you, Ed. You can only beat what's in front of you. Pass the Springboks. One point. If one point is five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's, there's differences here. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I haven't been no, impressed with England so far. So. That's the, the point. But I think, like, at the, the, on the contrary, though, like, England and Wales both are quite clearly in rebuilding phases. Um, and Italy, too. I mean, Italy have a new and, coach. Well, well. Yeah, yeah, but they've got the same playing stock. Whereas England have, are yeah. rotating quite a lot of players. Wales, obviously, rotating everybody. Um, you know, so, so, like, they can be forgiven for having less than campaigns. Whereas Scotland, France, Ireland, and to an extent, Italy are kind of full board. Same coaches, same players, like, don't really have an excuse to be putting themselves on performances. So, what is happening in England? Let's, let's talk about England, Phil. What is happening? Well, uh, they've played George Ford as the starting player for the first two matches, which is almost out of necessity. They have a choice between him and Pinsmith, one of the other young prospects coming through, but uh, Owen Farrell's non-selection uh, on his own terms and then um, Marcus Smith's injury means George Ford has taken the reins and yeah it's, it does see, very much seem like rebuilding much of the same from what we saw of the World Cup uh, uninspiring but still able to keep matches close and grind things out so I don't know I'm I, like I said just now I'm not particularly uh, confident of them showing a lot of improvement in the next few weeks. Uh, so I think I'd agree with you, Ant. They're probably looking at a fourth place, and that would be a not a bad result in Six Nations. I mean, obviously, well, they would I like mean, to beat Scotland. They haven't won more than two games in the last two Six Nations, I think. So they're, they're already matching their best performance from the last like two years. Yeah, but they've had an easy so schedule, I guess. Oh, but, but you know the point is that they're actually at the moment they're on par. Two wins <laughs> is based on recent form, half yeah. situations, and I don't know again based on the open rounds. And obviously, there's a lot of it, so yeah. That's probably about as much as they're going to get this time around. Yeah. And so, and how good do you think this Irish team is? I mean, obviously they lost the All Blacks in the quarterfinal. 
that was the one that they had to win because, you know, it seems like a choke almost. But they swept France aside, France rebuilding a bit. But I saw some people comparing them, you know, with the top um, top teams of all time even, you know, whether that's the good South Africa, New Zealand, English teams. Are they right up there with the, you know, given the a few years, like not just at one tournament, which is where Springboks have excelled. Um, can we talk about them as being one of the greatest teams of all time? Um. Yeah, I suppose if you look at their win percentage, then, right. then that's up there. But if you look at titles, not really. You know, they they bombed out in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. That kind of I would already immediately preclude you from that. They lost yeah. the Six Nations in that time. Um, you know, they yeah. I just I don't see enough of them delivering in the biggest moments to really put them in that conversation. And like. I'm not comparing this against the Springboks because I think any claims of whether this that the 2019-2023 team is the best of the time is very dubious. Because it's really relying on kind of three key performances, the Lions and the two World Cups. But the, that's the point. They had three key things they had to win and they won them. Um, yeah. No one's saying that they're a better long-term successful team than the 2012-2015 All Blacks. Like that mm -hmm. team is obviously better and more successful. And I, I don't, I, you know, so I think that if, you either, if you're comparing most successful and key moments, well, then you want to go to the Springboks because they won the two World Cups pretty well and they had the Lions tour. So that just puts the 24 All Blacks. If you look at it in sustained success, then it's got to be the 24 and 15 All Blacks. I, I don't quite see this Irish team. And in the same thing, like, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, yes, they're coming to Zambia for two test tours. I think we'll beat them. Yeah, I like, I don't know, maybe it's just they don't have the same aura about them, but they seem to be, you know, they're, they're masters of the consistent success, but not the peaks. Their average is really, really high, but they don't have that peak that they need to get. There. Like, I think any of the top three teams can beat them on, on their day, if it's, you know, with both teams playing a full performance. And I don't think, and, and if that's the case, then I don't think that means you can be in the conversation with the best team. Mm. It's tricky though, and I, you know, and this is not taking anything away from you. Obviously, have been. Yeah. I, I, I think I just sort of almost noticed, like, from picking up and reading some of the Irish um, news or media, like they, I don't know if it's uh, because you know, like, uh, they're doing it because their lack of success in the World Cups, but almost shifting the emphasis to like being a more of a long-term team and tournament success is not that important. But like you said, it has to be. Like that's how. You make your name as an international rugby team. You win the big tournaments. Um, yeah, or maybe they can push England for best Northern Hemisphere team ever. That uh, three one. But yeah, I agree with you. The Southern Hemisphere teams still have something on them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I think it's it's they just haven't they haven't got the sustained like you know, delivery on that. It's kind of like you know the lives of twenty whatever it was sixteen k nine eighteen top the long for a couple of times. <laughs> Too soon, too like, soon. <laughs> but, you know, they, they were by far and away the best South African team, but they didn't have any trophies. Yeah. And three finals is not good enough. Kind of pretty tough to say that they're one of the best South African teams, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, so it's, it's, it's tough, but it's, it is what it is. Like, you need trophies. Just like this French team. Yeah. You know, this is meant to be the golden French generation of French, but they've got, what, one Six Nations trophy, and that's it to their name? So you, you really can't, like, put yeah. them in a conversation. Um, of you know all time best teams. Yeah.
titles matter. I mean, that's that's why Messi winning the World Cup was so important. It puts him ahead of Ronaldo. Yes. He's got something on Ronaldo that he will never have. Um, I think what, what Ireland really do impress me with is is like squad depth. I mean, if you take that um, that all-black side and you, you take out uh, Mao Nonu, who is the next best 12? I mean, you take out uh, uh, Richie McCaw, who is the next best open-side flanker? Um, yeah, that's Matt Pollock. Like, <laughs> Depends, yeah, which era. This, yeah. Well, 10, 12, 10, 15, yeah. There's, there's, hmm. there's serious drop-offs, whereas Ireland can play you know, almost two squads and they are, you know, top three in the world with either. They can mix and match and, and they do that at, at Leinster as well. But I mean, you guys are right. You, you measured by titles at the end of the day, like win streaks, um, world rankings, nice to haves. Do you have a Six Nations title? Do you have Grand Slams? Do you have World Cups? Do you, have you beaten world champions? I, I'm, I'm a little bit more nervous about the incoming test to South Africa, but uh, that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't, look, I'm not, not, not like walking into a super bold and confident, but at the same time, if this is a thing that I feel like Rassi and Jacques will target, then they will well, not Jacques, but And I feel like this is something that they should do because of all the narrative around Ireland and the best team. And we have a test against Portugal. Uh, you know, we've got enough time. We've got, you know, the remember in twenty in twenty twenty we didn't have this year. Um, yeah. Now we do, so we've got extra times in the cycle, so we can, yeah. you know, pick and choose which games to focus on in a way that we didn't last time. Last time we kind of had to just blood players consistently to build the teams. So I think if, if I was the coaches, I'd target this like this Irish tour, prove that we are the deserving world champions, and then you know, once we've got kind of got that off the back, then you can mess around the rugby championship, etc. That's a that's a hell of a playground to mess around in. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, the same way that like, you know, well, we're playing New Zealand twice at home, which is quite cool. Yeah. It's easy, right? New Zealand at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, one well, of the they're, they're, they're rebuilding new coach, you know. <laughs> one of the things that makes me slightly nervous is that Ireland have had a well, they'll have a had a whole Six Nations to prepare, and then it will be Springboks' first game going in after the World Cup after a long break. Hopefully that doesn't yeah. you know, cause any sort of rustiness or negativeness. But uh, like I said, I'm still confident. But that's the one concern that I have, just like that long gap between Springbok matches. But then on the other, oh, I was going to say on the other side of the bed, players are really tired. It's basically our, our players don't have an season, so we don't actually have that advantage anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, and you, you're saying just get the wins against Ireland basically at all costs. Play your older players, your squad players you played in the World Cup. Um, it makes sense off the back of very little preparation, but like how seriously are you taking this next World Cup rebuild cycle then? Are you are you gaining anything yeah, playing? Like this is the first are, are you gaining games. anything playing Dion Faree? Are you gaining anything playing Vili? Like, Well, you definitely don't play them against Portugal, right? So perhaps, like answers, target the island match, especially that first one. Perhaps, maybe not Dion Curry. He's well, almost forty. Um, but even Billy, I, he might. Ha, I need don't the know. Caps, like, eh? He needs the caps full. He does. I, I, I'm not going to say they should pick because they should. 
<laughs> but it's a tough one. It's a tough one to get. Also, like, you, you know, just because it's a new cycle doesn't mean you have to throw everyone out the window, you know. Like, there will be squad rotation, there will be, like, um, well, space for the older guys to hand over the knowledge, you know what I mean? So I don't think it's, it needs to be kind of throw everyone out. We're already without. Play them for the first two games. Yeah. And then, you know, let the new guys kind of see a little bit. And then in Portugal, they thought they'd been in the squad now for a month. Now they can, like, um, play for the, for the Portugal game. Yeah, look, in Rossi, we trust, right? Whatever he does will be the right decision. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're already without Faf de Klerk, Quacha Smith, who else? Jesse Creel. There's um, yeah. one other. I'm not sure if Marks will be back. I mean, ben me dot Marks will yeah, be, be actually. Uh, no, exactly. So we're already missing half the team. So, I mean, like, you know, no reason, no reason to like extra hamstring stuff. This is why we're playing Dion Fruit, despite the pretty nice. Well, well, he's on, he's on, yeah, yeah. he's on Springbok rest for the Stormers, eh? Hey? So, if he wasn't in the plans, he wouldn't have been rested. I mean, he is pretty, I think it makes sense. He is the bomb squad enabler, him and Sanela and Nohamba. Him and Nohamba. That's, <laughs> That's just the bench. Is we just if they oh, yeah. pick ourselves against the rest of the world saying we're only going with what three man benches. Cool. And, and like Nohamba and Dion Free, let's jaw. Like, like you guys like said, that. this is this is a topic for a future episode closer to the spring bucket test. So yeah, but it's fun. It will be it will be an exciting one. Uh, any new caps will be exciting to see whether it's Nohamba or whether it's anyone else. Even uh, guys who have hardly played the spring bucks. So what, Phil, do you want to talk about Wales then? Well, I mean, I think Anne said something about Ireland, at least a little. So, Jack Crowley's been impressing you, Anne? So, <laughs> he's, he's played. Jack, Jack, Jack Crowley's been very good. Like, that was going to be, that was the really big question for Ireland, is can they bounce back from using Sexton? And the answer is, well, yes. Okay, cool. That was a boring he, conversation. Let's talk look, about Wales. He, he's, <laughs> he's no, he's no Sanele or Nahamba, though. You know, I can't wait yeah, to see I've, I've never seen him play scrum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is Manama bigger than Craig Casey? I think he is. He is. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, Craig Casey is like Casey is. Yeah. <laughs> Grace, uh, and he's definitely more irritating than Craig Casey. <laughs> I love him, though. I, I if, really if we, enjoy that. Yeah, if, if we ever have uh, Amy barrett on, um, I think one of the questions I want to ask her is, is there a more annoying player than Sanella Manama? <laughs> like as a referee just because like referees must get pissed off with it just like dude just relax chill out uh, i don't know aaron yeah. smith is probably pretty annoying but i don't know if she's ever yeah i wonder she might have ar'd uh islanders game or something i don't know i mean look the, the, now now that she's um with the you know, doing the rounds on social media now's the time to get her in mm. um, yeah yeah shout out shout out to sure we're talking to Using the the classic, I'm not uh, mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she definitely had that lined up because she knew it was an under twenties oh. game, and she's like, I can get away with this. I yeah. don't think you can get away with it. Imagine you did that to like in the Six Nations game between Farrell and Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Farrell, Farrell and Sexton wouldn't be able to keep that cool. They're just like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck are you on about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would have been funny oh, though. Classic. Neither of you watched the. The, the new ref documentary have you it's on my list it's on my list but i haven't yet yeah i'm, I'm trying to get in full contact both the free time and netflix 
I, I did not have my <laughs> they've, they've clamped down on the laws recently. I know. I'm on my parents' Wi Fi. Yeah, so I need to make a plan because there are a couple of Netflix things that I want to watch and <laughs> I don't have access at the moment. So we'll see. I, I, I would say full contact's worth it. I mean, I, I've watched um, all but one episode now. I mean, obviously, the time. Time spent on Louis Reese Samet is, is completely wasted now that he's in the NFL. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the rest of it's not bad. I haven't watched the Formula One Netflix special, but apparently it's quite similar in the way that it like profiles individuals and goes through backstories and makes it all dramatic yeah. and emotional. It's quite cool. Um, I dig it. It's a nice new innovation for rugby, but um, I don't think it's going to come anywhere near Chasing the Sun too. Oh, I'm frothing for that. Oh. Well, and, I'm so excited. And funny enough, it's it's five episodes like today. And it's oh, March, right? It's c- coming out in March. 20, 24th of March, yeah. Mm. On Adam's birthday. That should be good. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, even just the little previews that we've seen just gets your heart racing, right? Oh. That's going to be, be prime. Like, I mean, like, it's just so emotionally stirring. And, and but what's not emotionally stirring is Wales. Are you going to bring it back? Did you guys well, watch? It is emotion- did I, Wales I mean, play against? Oh, Wales played against England. Yeah, look, it was enough to move Ben. Can we find the, the <laughs> shot? Yeah. What that did he was say? shocking. He, he made the admission that he's actually enjoying watching this Wales team play. I don't think they're that amazing. So it's coming from Ben, that is quite something. Um, also, or maybe it's an indictment on England because it just shows how poorly England yeah, are playing. Yeah. No, I think it's probably but like relative right. to them, Wales are playing amazingly. But I, I think the best player on the field was uh, the Welsh pitcher. What's his name? Uh, Tommy Riffle. Tommy Riffle. Yeah. yeah. So I think if Wales had you know scored a last minute drop goal or whatever, he would have got out of the match. You know, they like to give it on to the winning team. He was he got like five turnovers, like five crucial turnovers. So he was everywhere. Um, I think who did they give man of the match to in the end? One of the English guys uh, who wasn't that good. Ben Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ben Earl's like pretty consistent. Like he's one of those guys who always makes a lot of tackles, always runs around a lot. Um, you know that sort of player. Celebrates every uh, knock-on and all of those <laughs> things. Yeah, um, I saw that, that England got a short time on a scrum for like an engagement. Yeah, he celebrates that. YouTube did nothing to earn this. One hundred percent not on your team. Uh, um, it was all yeah. his, uh, yeah, slagging, right? He, he must have said something. But, uh, to the problem. <laughs> I did. I did as I often do. Go on a Tojo watch, and oh, just uh, does not impress me as a player. <laughs> the I, amount of yeah. times that you that he stands next to a ruck is very impressive. His work rate at going to go and stand next to rucks is really good. Like Pierce Peace would be impressed at the amount of ruck. <laughs> he but he doesn't do very much ever. Like he never actually hits the ruck or moves it. But like he made one like tight carry off his like because I started ranting about this to my dad. Um, who, who, who wants a rugby do often get lost on. But I was talking about just the like you know his relative tininess. Compared to even our flanks, um, yeah. why shouldn't be a, a lock? And then I the literally it was as, as I think the English were hammering it for five yards, from, like pushing against the line, um, doing pick and goes. And he took a pick and go and went like a meter backwards. And it's like with a guy on his bum. Like this is why this man should not be a tight forward. Like, it's just such a like, like perfect summary of I think his because like think about where does he play? He's 
too small for Mark. He's not nearly athletic or mobile enough for blindside flying, let alone open something. So, like, what, is, what does he do? Like, what's the his thing role? Is, like, I think he's fine for almost every match, but not the big international physical. Like, when I watched the Springboks, you know, during the World Cup, and then I went back to the URC and was sporting the Lions, there's such a massive difference between the level of um, forward momentum that the Springboks gain, like every single time they have the ball and they're just going through the phases, you know, even if it's one uh, one out runners. And in that scenario, Itojo would get lost because he, like you said, he's smaller than like all of the Springbok leads for. It's all of the locks and he can't make a physical impact against them. I think he can get away with it in like if the Saracens are playing other English teams or even maybe yeah. even some Heineken Cup matches, but like, Big matches against big Irish or big South African, even big French forwards, he's going to get a little bit lost in the shop. But I mean, that's what just like makes me confused because, like, you've got Courtney Laws, who is a big man, you know, he's over two meters tall, he's 120, whatever, kegs. Why is he playing at blindside? You've got this 196, 112 kilogram lock, like, they should be swapping positions, but it's because Itoja is not mobile enough to play flank, you know, like, you've never seen Itoja make a carry in the wide channels like you see Peter Steph do despite him being 10 kilos lighter. Like, he literally just can't run fast enough to, to handle that. Um, anyway, what, but this is a good segue, because I have been meaning to watch for a while, is Baby Tuolagi. Mm. Now, if you want to know someone that can move bodies, that man is impressive. Like, I, you know, obviously he's a big lad, and coming in at 19, people are going to make a lot of noise about him. But he's quite large. He's large, but, but, he, but not just, <laughs> I mean, it's not puppy fat. Like, he is shifting Oaks at the game line. Like, one of carries, he's moving those Scottish players backwards. There was a, a ruck, I think, towards the end of the game on the far touch line. He attended by himself, and he just pushed four Scotsmen back. <laughs> like, that's the impact you want from your lock. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, I mean, it was very impressive, um, the, the way he was able to effect, effectively use his weight. Hmm. Um, and it's, you know, he's not just a big boy. He's a very terrifying prospect considering he's only 19. He's got another growth spurt in him. And he's carrying, a lot of baby. he's carrying a lot of puppy fat at the moment. Like, he looks pudgy. He will flesh. That's what I'm saying. He's going to, and, and he's still that powerful. Like, hmm. if he trims that down, converts, you know, that 145 chubby frame to like a 135 power frame, hmm. he is genuinely going to be a terrifying human. Yeah, and and he probably won't get the credit, like he won't get the credit he deserves at the moment until he doesn't look as chubby as he does. It's like the same as someone like Labakanya. He's been performing really well, um, but because he looks so massive, and most people think that he can't run because of his size, like it's going to take quite a shift in like uh, perception. So it'll be interesting for both of those two to see if they can sort of shift more towards a slightly more muscular build. Yeah. I mean, that would be know. that would be an unstoppable force versus an unbreakable wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you you probably heard it first that that will happen one day. I think uh, it has to. It has to. I mean, we'll, we'll, surely um, the Lions need to get up in the Champions Cup and then really can happen. Try this. Yeah, don't say the most likely thing is that he's going to sign for like the Sharks. Because <laughs> that probably is the more likely thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything positive about the Sharks. I'm enjoying us not focusing on URC. Yeah. Okay. No URC for the time being. Um, well, at least, yeah. as, as long as he's not um, mentored by Paul Willemsa on tackle technique, because that is oh, not shit. going well. 
So what was it? Two straight reds, technically, in one game. <laughs> yeah, technically, on review. So he received five cards, I think, eh? Because he had two yeah. yellows, and then a red, which was two bad. yellows, and then two direct reds afterwards. So five <laughs> cards. Ridiculous. <laughs> and it's not his first time. I, like, he's managed to improve, I think, more, but he still does it too often. I mean, the timing was just so spot on, like, days after Rassi had come out saying that, like, who attacking technique is purely a catching yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually see someone. It's something we've spoken about, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The, especially with New Zealand and Australia, they're sort of poor discipline at times. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's, can be taught. But again, New Zealand and, and Australia, it's, it's so blatant considering if you just look at their rules. Like, they try yeah. to negate, make red cards not a thing, which means people aren't going to practice avoiding red cards. And the, the World Cup final is a perfect example. This is the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just poor technique, really. And then, you know, if I could do it twice in one game, there's enough New Zealand players that have, like, you know, done it. And then the first game back, they've gone and done it again. Mm. Uh, was it an Aussie player that did that? I think it's maybe both. But, like, you do just see it often enough. That, like, there's Darcy like, Swain or someone like that. Oh, yeah. No, there was a backline, backline, this type of player. Um, yeah, again, same thing, you know, like because he avoids judgment. Like, no yeah. one suggested that red cards are the best tool we have for this, but it's at least one that the coaches really listen to. Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting. Actually, about punishment for waste. Like, like, it's an interesting hypothetical if Alonso played stayed in South Africa and played his way up into the swing box. If he his coaching in South Africa would have made him a lot cleaner over there. I mean. Oh, 100%. Just the coaching thing, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's you can see the, the thought that the ref, like the Scotland thing is a perfect example. Like, yes, we know Rusty got into trouble for his tweets at the end of 2022's tour um, because it sounded like he was being facetious. And he, you know, came up and said, and look, he probably was taking the place. But that whatever he said, he did action. Is that they changed the entire way they played take like refereeing decisions out of the game so they focus less on the more they focus less on areas where refs famously aren't great at making good decisions mm. um, you know so they <laughs> focusing on the tackling hard to make sure that it doesn't the refs like really doesn't come into it um and that's just mm. smart coaching to be honest. Which, like, which is a which is a really good segue to the new springbok coaching team right because we've now got yaku paper on as a, a laws specialist or something like that but basically retired referee helping them you know deal with other referees better alongside new zealander and an irishman you know in in charge of attack and defense um i don't know about you guys but i'm number one surprised that stick and davids didn't get promotions but number two really excited about this new coaching team yeah Yeah, yeah, i completely agree yeah um for me like Tony Brown, just knowing what he's done with teams like the Highlanders and even Japan in 2019, especially, um, what he could potentially do with some of our exciting backs is really going to be a, something to look forward to. And then, yeah, I think France had it with, was it Gosses, who was in their coaching box over the last couple of years? So, or what? Or was it what? I get confused between <laughs> different French referees. Um, but yeah, they, they, they obviously utilized a retired referee, and I think it worked pretty well for them. 
more or less. Um, obviously, not losing in the World Cup, that didn't help. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think from what I've heard, Jerry Flanner is also a really good um, pickup. So it seems like they've done a good job. And then also just like being able to draw this knowledge from all corners of the world can only help. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Felix Jones and Adam Walters that like, you know, having, we've got a lot of success with a varied approach as well. I think the comment on Stick and um, Dave is being overlooked is an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that's because they are still moving their portfolio or because they just have really good specialist other areas that they're still kind of charter. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it does feel like, especially the appointment of Tony Brown is an acknowledgement that we're moving into like quite a different style of play under the Springboks. I think it's sort of a, I mean, this might be premature, but uh, a move away from the Andre Pollard style towards the Lebok style. Um, getting young guys who have exciting skills, the likes of Lebok, Damian Willem, so Grant Williams, Ken Moody, who, who were evasive, unpredictable, X-factor players. Like Tony Brown is the kind of guy you bring in to make the most of those players. He's not the guy to make the most of Andre Pollard. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't think that it's going to be like a overnight transition to something completely new, of course. But um, I, I, I think, like you say, uh, the next group of youngsters coming through just sort of leans in more in that general direction. We don't really have the next Andre Pollard in our sort of young prospects at fly halves coming through as much as we have you know these sort of more so in similar mold to money Lebok. so yeah i'm just excited to see Lebok do like a bicycle behind a hip kick over <laughs> into the corner for someone classic uh, like Tony Brown. Classic yeah. Tony Brown. <laughs> it would be very good i mean look if we could get that to happen and just start jawing because as you say I mean, just those players you listed off are all insanely talented, exciting players, like, if we can just kind of start scoring with them, like, yo, that would be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously combining that with our massive forwards who yeah. will always set a good platform, like, you're getting the best of both worlds, hopefully. Yeah, but then exactly. throwing, throwing, like, Diamani and Rus into the mix with an Elric low, like, in four years' time, that's just a scary prospect for anyone. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, there are a lot of good young news forwards. That's also a really exciting area looking forward, like the couple you mentioned, but even guys like Cameron Hanacom, who we've seen this season, a few of the Lions players, like at least for now, Manuel Shituka, um, Frank Horn. So, yeah, that's a heavily contested position, but one where South Africa always have, you know, a lot of good, good options. Mm. I saw there's a. Talking of loose forwards and South Africans, I saw there's a new South African loose forward on the scene uh, in playing for Italy. Ross Vincent, you know, do you know of this guy? He he was apparently saw... he was apparently at Bishops wow. with uh, Sasha Feinberg and Gomazulu, um, and now he's playing for, for oh, Italy. Wow. Played for the juniors as well, which is interesting. I saw his name and I saw something about it, but I, yeah, I didn't know that. That's so he must be very young then, obviously. That's like, 20, yeah, he's like 20, 20, 21, 22, somewhere there. Uh, debut. But it makes yeah. sense for him to, to move because that's just not a very, very South African um, news forward name. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, just realistically, he wasn't going to make the team, let's be honest. Which is know? why, <laughs> which is why Keegan Daniels never got there, right? And yeah. 
exactly. I, I was going to say, off the top of your head, who's the last English like uh, speaking loose forward, uh, <laughs> like white, white, white loose forward that you can Warren Whiteley. Warren Whiteley. Yeah. Warren Whiteley. Ross Kinkowski. Yes. I mean, Ryan Kinkowski. Ryan yeah. Kinkowski. You can't even get his name right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Whiteley's more recent. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I'm then, the point is none of them is actually stalwarts. Yeah. No, they just don't have that big Afrikaans or Jean or someone like Khaleesi or, you know, who has something that, yeah, those guys are lacking a bit. So did, did you say they don't have an Afrikaans gene like Khaleesi? <laughs> like the big, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I didn't say that Khaleesi did, but you know, Khaleesi has something else that is just unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, we'll give you that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get too bogged down into potentially dirty waters, <laughs> very swiftly, Alan, you were segueing almost there into Italy. Um, yeah, I, thought, I thought you were going to do a swift uh, segue there. Oh. Uh, no, we already mentioned that she's the Super Bowl champion. I, I mean, <laughs> it was you that posted that uh, Nickelodeon referred to Travis Kelsey as her boyfriend rather than other way around. Travis Kelsey's boyfriend won the Super Bowl or something. <laughs> Yeah, um, but on on Italy, I mean, are they improving? Are they Italy? Are they? I mean, they were leading seventeen all against England, and I got very excited, um, and then they lost, obviously, um, which was sad. But like, you know, do we, do we ever expect them to get better? Those being yes. philosophical. <laughs> um. I think there are games which are more winnable, like the match against England. That was one that really was winnable. And there are games like traveling to Ireland against this Irish team, which they're not really going to be as competitive. Um, it The final score was what, like 31-0 or something? So 36, they didn't get 36-0. So they didn't get they did on the have like three disallowed tries, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't... Could have the Ireland were over a couple more times. Yeah, but they didn't exactly disgrace themselves. It wasn't a you know Albany against New Zealand situation. Yeah, I mean Italy weren't playing terribly, and Ireland had to work for their points. You know, evidence by the fact that they had three tries in this enough. Like they weren't just strolling through when they were on it. But thirty-six nil is thirty-six nil. Yeah, um, you know you're not really in the fight <laughs> if that's the scoreline. Yeah. And but they haven't really shown. I mean, it's early days, of course. The new coach, uh, Casada, is it the Argentine coach? He's yeah. only had two games in charge, so it's hard to be too judgmental after two games. But like you said, it just seems like it's more of the same. Um, flattering to deceive, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, it's do you think, like, are we more aware of Italy now because we're in the URC, so we know guys like Melancello and Manuela, like, um, better? So now we kind of actually. You know, we recognize that they actually are do have access to quite a lot of decent players that would be in squads at other teams. But, you know, collectively, they just don't get there. I mean, I, it, oh, do we feel like it's a coaching issue? Do we feel like it's a squad depth issue? Do we feel like it's a livestock issue? You know, like, they've got, I mean, I wouldn't say they man-for-man players are significantly worse than Scott. Yeah. Especially if you take away Scottish, Scotland's foreign players. <laughs> But you can't, yeah. But uh, I think yeah, it's not just you not, do, but if you yeah, could, yeah. but it's like, not just. Yeah, I would say this. Yeah, I think it's not just a URC awareness thing. I think that obviously helps us to know a bit more. But like, I think their current generation is better than 
it's been over the last you know couple of generations. So they have one of their strongest teams. They have guys like Gobisi, uh, Paolo, and Alessandro is looking okay too. Um, like you said, Menoncello, who's still playing for Benetton. Um, they've definitely got good players. So I think in some ways, not too dissimilar to Scotland that we spoke about right at the beginning. It's like they need to somehow click into more of a winning culture, which they don't have, and getting used to being able to put scores on the board against these the teams that they play every year. Like they just don't have it yet. They have that. They're just used to losing, I guess, as harsh as that sounds. No, I think that's pretty fair. Um Italy, Wales, and Scotland, like I said earlier, they have this habit of reverting to type, and they might have really good potential, and then they just fall back into these really bad habits that cost them big games. Um, but Italy are, I think they're still on the up. Um, they had a disappointing World Cup, but they had a pretty good Six Nations, six nations leading into that. They ran France close. Um, they had a, a couple of other good games. Um, and in the junior stages, you know, they've made the semi-finals of the under-20 World Cups twice now in the last three or four years. They lost to England by one point a couple of days ago. Um, so, you know, Italian rugby is not in a bad place. It's just, as I think Phil says, like, there's a habit to winning, right? And there's a culture and an experience part of it as well, that once you know how to win, something clicks into place. And the Italians just don't have that right now. They've, they've got a lot of talent at their disposal, a lot of really successful URC teams. I mean, Benetton's been arguably the surprise, you know, team of the entire tournament so far in the URC, which is the bulk of the Italian squad at the moment. They've got good players. Um, watching Full Contact, I think the people that come out worst of the entire documentary series are the Italian coaching staff. They, <laughs> they just like... No, like the one oak, the one oak, the Italian, uh, New Zealand oak. I think his name is it Kieran Crowley. Uh, yeah, he was a previous yeah. coach. Yeah. Who's just like, give it to that Capuazzo. What's his name? He's fucking fast. <laughs> You're like, how is that a top level coaching remark in your yeah. first game debrief? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. A, oh, at that needs a lot to be divided, huh? <laughs> He's like, oh, what's his name? Capuazzo. I'm probably butchering the, sounds more Australian than Kiwi, but um, <laughs> Good enough. You, you get the gist. Like, I think yeah. if, if, if Italy get a, a solid bunch of coaches together, they've got the junior structures now, they've got the club structures now. It's just about getting into that habit and that uh, and building that experience with your player base. All they know is losing. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's only so many teams that, that can win. So, like, at what point, how do you balance that out, you know what I mean? Like, Wales does this nation become a point where, okay, I mean, apart from Wales, just, you know, fulfilling Ben's fancy just becoming, <laughs> like, you know, does the Six Nations just become everyone finishes the tournament with three wins type thing? How do you kind of resolve this? Do you bring do you bring South Africa in, drop Italy to the lower levels with Georgia and Romania and whoever, and then they can start getting willing out there? Okay. Well, who, who said um, you need to elevate Ireland to the rugby championship and then bring Georgia up, and then you'll have more <laughs> <equal> competitions? <laughs> I mean, that would be it's fun. not the worst idea I've heard. 
Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, can I, we can we swap I mean, Australia for France too? I'd, I'd do that. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I heard I heard a thing today saying that there's ideas of replacing the Rebels in Super Rugby with team from Hawaii or the West Coast of America. Crazy. I mean, they're is, desperate. I mean, that's a it's, lot of travel, though. <laughs> it's, it seems it's like, like they're on the ropes. So. Yeah, it seems, back in. it seems like they're on the ropes, like just the whole organization of it and stuff. So I don't want it to end, but it doesn't seem like Super Rugby, as you know, it's going to be around for that much longer. I think they're going to make some sort of other competition. Yeah, look, it doesn't sound good in Super Rugby, I must admit, but particularly the Australian side. Um, yeah. Like it just this just doesn't sound like there's any money. Obviously the rebels being under, but I think the the, the Waratahs hand over there, the keys to their car basically to like this trade. I know um, the Brumbies are pushing hard to try and keep their boat afloat. I think the Red Reds are the only team that's actually looking kind of financially viable at this point, um, which is yeah bizarre considering you've got all these um, you know, the lines are coming up too or cups you think. There should be enough positivity investments or like at least uh, stuff you can advertise for in Australia. Maybe this is all just Eddie Jones. <laughs> but I think we will have a proper Super Rugby preview um, before too long. They'll start in a couple of weeks, I believe. So hopefully... Uh, <laughs> we'll if you have any about. ideas of place to drop, please send them to me. I'd be a lot of time to research. I told you, Bruce Fetcher, number one pick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going full foreign, so Reese Patchell. Um, Don't do half it. Who else is, who else is <laughs> anymore? Who else is available? I don't, Sorry. <clears throat> I don't know. Do, uh, do, do Samoans and Tongans and Fijians come? I'll just draft the whole group. I think Sam Spink is English. He plays for. Oh, yes. I guess Spink. Force have a couple. Uh, I think they might have a wing or two who's also English. Harry Potter's back for someone. Okay. Uh, I hear Louis Lana is also on the way back. Uh, he is going there. to Italy. He's going to Italy. Oh, sorry. Yes, he's going to Italy. He's chasing Why? Oh, I mean, is, is that the point we're at now where Italy is a better prospect than I, 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 I think he's just uh, choosing the easier path, right? I think he just realized he's probably not going to make it. Surely, um, if you go to the Australian rugby, you can make it. You know, I mean, he looked really good when Harlequins won the title, but I think since then he's dropped off quite a bit. Uh, Look, if if you're a hooker in Australia, you will get a Wallabies cap, but it might be more just from the outside backs, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all very true and fair. I think I think the Brumbies have three Wallaby hookers on their books: Lachlan Lonigan, Connell McInerney, and uh, Billy Pollard. They have fucking uh, yeah, fucking Tigers going now. Yeah. Fucking yeah, Fanga, he's, he's at the force now, I think, okay? Yeah. And Tupo at the Rebels, that's interesting. We're getting very close into Super Rugby Preview territory here. Is there anything you want to chat about on the Six Nations? Are we just, are we, I mean, is it Ireland 1, France 2, Scotland 3, England 4, Wales 5, England 6? Like, what are the odds of it not being that finishing order? Like, what upsets are there still to potentially come? Who's at home between England and Scotland? That's a good question. Uh, I think that's, I think, Scotland will um, Scotland, England. England Scotland, Scotland also, Scotland are at home, and Scotland are on a five-game winning streak. 
against it's England. Time, and Scotland yeah. will just look better than England. Um, <clears> yeah, so I think, like, is that the only game that could be? Where is France playing Wales? I mean, Wales, Italy is obviously going to be a good one. I mean, <laughs> Wales are at home against France. I mean, yeah. Wales are often a could be banana peelish. But... That's not well, okay. Say about sorry, go. Wales can be spoilers quite often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but like, why are France suddenly so crap? Is it just because they're missing the continent's neck? No. Is it just we we physically they're just broken? Were they just never actually that good? It's a tough one to answer. Um, I, so I what think I, do, I asked the, I asked the hard question. <laughs> I think we'll still see them finish second, like you said. But uh, yeah, because they're playing and, in Wales. <laughs> but they're, def they're they're definitely a bit rusty or something. A bit rusty? Did you say sorry? Rusty, rusty, rusty. Trigger all our French listeners quickly. I thought it was quite rude of the Irish to be playing our song in their stadium every time they scored. Thought that was a bit cheesy. <laughs> like uh, you've lost rights to that song. You can if you beat us in June, you have a fast. But for now, it's not yours anymore. No, it's South Africa's. That's like um. Rides with the Raven Shield. Yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, Nigeria playing Tyler's Water when they when they beat yeah. us. Gone. It's like no, that's not your song. Um, yeah, just just rude, just rude. <laughs> oh no! Look, I, I can't hold that against the Nigeria though. That's good banter. <laughs> I mean, if I knew the song, then that might also lead in. <laughs> oh, for the Grammy award-winning South African end. Come on, I did hear it for the first time the other day. So no, I have heard it the first okay. time. <laughs> I, it's, it's not in my rotation. I only I only heard about Tyler as a Tyler Tyler as an artist Tyler. You know, on like the radio. Tyler the creator. Like last weekend. That is the, genuinely the, the only time I ever hear radio is Grammy. And they mentioned that we've now got this lady who's friendly. Crisis. Oh, that's cool. And, 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 you know. and you're at least of my generation. I'll excuse you. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Phil's a boomer. We know that. <laughs> I mean. We're saying, therefore, Phil needs to listen to the radio. <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, looking I, like am, five, I am a boomer. Seven. I listen to Cape Talk. Yeah, yeah it's talk, talk <laughs> radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Who are France playing in June? Um, Where did it go? You mean the mid-year fixtures? Yeah, we've got Ireland. Who are uh, New Zealand playing? No. Yeah. Scotland are playing... Oh, is Australia playing... They might be playing France. Actually. I listened to, to the... The Drew Mitchell, Matt Gitto, he, uh, actually, I'm actually Cooper Pod is rebranded. Um, yeah. uh, Johnny Wilkinson's first because it's genuinely really interesting. Like, that man is not in a good headspace, or wasn't at least for most of his career. Johnny Wilkinson, Johnny yeah. Wilkinson, like, yeah. like, it's pretty hectic listening to like his life story. Um, so that's worth it. So we'll give, give them a little plug. Uh, maybe we'll get one in return. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd uh, like France are playing Argentina, just by the way. Okay, so anything can happen. Australia just playing with themselves. Uh, Australia playing Wales, so that should be fun. So does that mean England are going to 
Zealand. England or against New Zealand, yes. Oh, good luck. That's not fun. Razor is going to have a lovely time on that tour. Yeah, does he break dance now every tour? Or how does he, he, he Surely he leaves it for the big occasions, winning trophies and stuff. But, sure um, a trophy for like the Emirates Airline Cup or whatever. How dare you? That's our stadium sponsor. <laughs> Sorry, Qatar Airways Cup is the more, more prestigious one. <laughs> Um, that's not going to go well for England. I'm just going to say early. I mean, it's a great chance for New Zealand just to let a whole lot of new players in, right? Yeah, that's a lovely tour. Like, it's, you're not stressed. Like, you know, you're going to get three years in a row. Well, not yeah. you, like, you'll have to work a bit. Like, I'll test you a bit, but you're also not like worried. It's like Ireland are going to test us a lot. You're going to have to really play well. So, so how many minutes do you think Ethan Roots will will last until he's taken out? <laughs> is it roots or roots i, I keep know. expecting him to look like Le 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 yeah i mean he's, he's not and then he just doesn't he's i know not afrikaans, so i'm guessing it's... Like... he is afrikaans right no he's not i'm pretty sure he's, he's not. a kiwi he's Ro i think it's roots that's why it's ethan roots roots like like ethan de groot <laughs> de groot like a guardian dutch the character Oh, yes. I, I am Groot. This is Groot. It would be much more fun. Why are they all called Ethan, these oaks? That's the real <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like uh, Ant mentioning how England had... Who was it? There was a name which Ant was like, how do they have five of these guys? I think it was um, Lewis or something. I don't know. I think now it wasn't even a normal man. Yeah, that's why you're like, yeah, who was that lock? Wasn't it one of them was a lock that came up? Um, I don't know. Was it Ollie? Oh, yes, it was Ollie. I think it was Ollie. There were like yeah, 400 yeah. Ollies. And like, why are there so many people called Ollie? Like Ollie Chesson. It's not an unusual Ollie Chesson, Ollie, Ollie Hassel, Lawrence. Ollie Hassel Collins. Yeah. It's like 400 Ollies. Like, 400. It's definitely more of an English name. <laughs> it is a very English name. I'm waiting for the French, the first French. Oli? Oli Leroux. Classic. Yeah, there's this. Oli Leroux. Oli Vong. It's Oli Vong. Benant Olivier. Oli, Oli, yeah, no. I don't <laughs> well, yeah, Guys, I think, I think we're re reaching the, the dregs of the pot here. Yeah, no, shame. Paul well, doesn't speak up for times. Very fully. Let's just see out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gents, that was a that was a pleasure. We shouldn't have waited so long. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Let's let's do this more often. Like in, like after the next two Six Nations games. <laughs> or before Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah there we go. Let's just make it three hours straight. <laughs> there we go. Then we'll have Super Rugby and URC and Six Nations. Do you know about? Yeah, because yeah, Champions Cup's only April, so that would be one of the good no, that's, that's, awesome. that's at least the only games the Sharks are winning, so maybe I should go into that. <laughs> Challenge Cup. Never mind Champions Cup. Chat, chat, chat is the same thing. <laughs> The chat, the I'm glad chat you finally me. got through your 
you got three or quadruple at the end of that. Uh, I poured another one, so I've had about seven or eight now. That's glorious. <laughs> no wonder I'm finally getting positive about this one in the salt. Acceptance. He's in the acceptance phase. <laughs> you, you have to be as a Scottish supporter. It's like being a Lions yeah. supporter, Phil. Yeah, or a Newcastle supporter. I'm used to it, don't worry. <laughs> uh, all the promise, none of the results. It's yeah. the hope it's the hope that kills you. It's like being a Proteus supporter too. Yeah. Let's not get into that just now. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good place to end this, I guess. Yeah. It's whenever you choose to stop recording. That's how casual we're being. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're trying this whole no host thing. I, I, I think it's worked pretty well. What do you guys think? I think it went very well. Oh, it's been happy. fun. It's been fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to cut us here before we say something incriminating. All right. <laughs> Cheers.